Welcome to The Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Today, we are excited to be joined by Tracy Bissett. She is the founder of Bissett Financial Fitness, where she works with and helps entrepreneurs understand the financial aspects of their business. This, this is a really important uh, component of any entrepreneur's plan for success is having good financial advice. So this is, a, I think, a great topic to cover and a great interview. But before we begin, Bela, we want to share with our listeners that our podcast is brought to you in part by the law firm of Phillips Lytle LLP. Now, this is a sponsorship that makes a lot of sense to us. Bella, you know this firm's firm well, don't you? I sure do. I have worked with the key entrepreneurship partners at Phillips Lytle for over 20 years. Their attorneys take an entrepreneurial approach to legal matters, and they have a long history of success with startups. We thank Phillips Lytle for their support of the entrepreneurial community and their sponsorship of the Unconventional Path podcast. Great. So with that, Bela, let's move on to the interview with Tracy Bissett. Hello, listeners. Today, I'm here with Tracy Bissett. Uh, she is an entrepreneur and has started a business in helping other entrepreneurs to make sure that they are financially savvy. Uh, and uh, we'll get into a nice conversation about that. And uh, welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And so uh, where are you geographically? I am in Toronto, Ontario, and Canada. Ah, very nice. And, and uh, I'm in upstate New York, and it is snowing right now outside my window. Us too. So <laughs> I think we share the same weather patterns. Yeah, I think so. So Tracy, if you are at a social event and you introduce yourself to somebody, and uh, after the introduction, they ask you, uh, what do you do? Uh, how do you answer that question? Well, basically, I tell them that I'm a financial coach for entrepreneurs, and I help entrepreneurs make sense of the money and the financial results of their company. Okay. So unravel that for me a little bit. Uh, what, what does that mean? So um, a lot, lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with kind of ignore that part of the business. And so I help them understand the patterns that the money comes in and goes out of their business. I help them read their financial statements so they can not necessarily become their own bookkeeper or accountant, but so they can use numbers to make decisions in their company to help them grow and um, hit the milestones that they want in their business. Yeah. So what's the what's the major uh, missing link do you that, that you see in entrepreneurs? Their inability to read a P&L statement or un not understanding cash flow? Uh, what what's sort of the big ones? Uh, I would say the biggest one is first turning your mind to it. So most business owners get into business because they're extremely passionate about whatever they do. They don't have any financial training. And so they just kind of delegate that stuff to a bookkeeper or an accountant. So that's the first thing. And then if we're diving a little bit deeper, it's they get results from their bookkeeper or their accountant, but they don't know what they say. They're getting them on a really big time delay from when the actual uh, results happened. And they don't understand the way that the money moves in and out of their business. So they can't really plan uh, proactively. They're really just fighting fires. And most of the time they're under this kind of heavy fog that's called money and, and financial stuff. And it's just kind of weighing them down all the time. Yeah. And, and do you find it, uh, these challenges more prevalent in certain types of industries, manufacturing versus, uh, a software company or is it, is it across all of those? 
I see it across the board and I deal with people in all different industries, men and women. So uh, recently I've been dealing with two sisters who own a bridal shop. I've been working with another couple who um, runs a rust protection business, could be body shop, it could be a, a naturopath. So it's really across the board. And the, the common link is that they're skilled at whatever their business is. And that's why they started it. And the the learning about money and using to using it as a tool is the missing part for them. Yeah. Yeah. And having this skill is so important because if you want to go get a loan from a bank or if you want to get any type of financing, uh, they're going to ask you for your financial statements and they're going to sort of check out your savviness with uh, your ability to understand them and explain them and understand how much it costs you to acquire a customer. If you're a manufacturing business, understanding your cost structure, your cost of goods sold, et cetera. So I think this service is really, really important and very critical for small young companies. Absolutely. And um, by background, I am a former banker. Uh, so I was an executive at TD Bank um, in the areas of commercial banking and risk management. So I helped entrepreneurs get access to the financing that they needed and structured the loans, analyzed the companies. And then for many years, I approved the loans, all different industries all across Canada. Um, so I'm, I have a really unique perspective and then I can help them communicate with bankers. I don't do it for them, but I teach them how you want to present yourself, the kinds of information you want to have available so that they can be viewed as a credible business owner who is deserving of, uh, and warrants getting credit. Yeah. Yeah. That's great because you know, you can have a great business, but if you can't articulate these things and you can't present it in, in a, in a, in a good, accurate way, um, in an understanding way, then you're really selling yourself short, right? You're, 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 you're really hindering yourself and your, your business's ability to grow and be successful. So the, having this skill set is, is uh, really important. Absolutely. And uh, I find too many entrepreneurs, they kind of approach it as if the banker is going to be their best friend. And they so they go in looking for that shoulder to cry on. And um, you should be sharing transparently things that are going on in your business, but they don't need to hear all of the details. And what they're most looking for is if things didn't go well in the past, what have you learned? What have you put in place to do things differently going forward? And, and show me what you think that might look like in the numbers. So everybody get, um, gets an opportunity to do things over. Um, everything doesn't go well for everyone the first time, but they're looking to see, have you learned and, and how credible are you in your management capabilities? Yes. So the, the, the individuals you work with, uh, you not only help them look out the rear view window uh, to kind of see where they've been, but do you also help them sort of look out into the future and think about pro formas and, and, and how to put them together? Absolutely. And one of my most favorite things to talk about is cash flow. And so I'm a huge proponent of understanding the way the cash flow cycle in a business works. So when does money come in? Where does it come from? Where does it go? What time does it go? And then actually having entrepreneurs forecast and depending on how tight their cash flow situation is, they may be down to a daily forecast might be weekly. The norm is monthly. Uh, but depending on their situation, we may have to go more granular. And so I work with them. So they develop it with my assistance because I really want to pass the skill on to them so they can do it after we're done working together. Yes. Yes. Excellent. And uh, what's the length of a typical engagement uh, with one of your one of your customers? 
uh, typically over two to three months. Um, I find that we get the best results when everybody's motivated and wants to move ahead with the increase in their financial acumen and their their knowledge. Um, businesses are busy. Um, so if we can carve out six meetings in a two to three month span, we can build on the momentum, the learning can transfer, it can take place. If we start getting out to four, five, six months, now all we're talking about is hey, what did we do last time? I don't really remember. Can we go through that again? And so it really minimizes the value that they're going to get out of it. Yes, yes. And uh, at some point in time, uh, as the business grows, uh, they they may need to or they may want to bring in a financial person uh, with you know a CFO or uh, whatever title you want to use for them. And uh, do you do you sort of coach them and help them sort of think that through what type of skill set they might need, et cetera? Absolutely. So given my background, I, I come from a different perspective. And so I am able to recommend um, the types of skill sets they want to see who would be best served for them. Sometimes they're, as they're growing, they might only need a fractional CFO. Um, maybe they need someone in part time who can help guide them. And um, it should never be viewed as a negative. They are the owner of the business. They're the one responsible for ultimately making the decisions. But it doesn't mean they need to do all the numbers by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So let's take a step backward. Uh, so um, I always like to dive into guests' uh, background a little bit and sort of how they got the entrepreneurial bug, because not only are you helping entrepreneurs, but you're an entrepreneur yourself. Mm-hmm. Where did you grow up? I grew up on the east coast of Canada in Nova Scotia in a little place called Cole Harbor. And many people know where it is now because of Sidney Crosby, who's a famous hockey player. Uh, for Pittsburgh. So it's on the map now. And um, when I was young, we had um, all the money we needed in my family. We didn't have lots of extra money. Um, And so sometimes I would ask my parents and say, could I have some money? I want to go down to the corner store. And they would say, well, no, you, you went two days ago. So no, no more money for that. So I realized at a really young age, how important money was and, and I kind of made it my mission to figure out different ways that I could make money to do the things I wanted to do. So a friend of mine, we would do all kinds of crazy things in our neighborhood. We had a neighborhood newspaper called Flashy News. We would get our dads to photocopy it at their office. We would go and get stories from our neighbors and then we would sell it to them so that I could get those 25 cents increments so I could go to the store. We would have play groups with kids. When I got older, I was doing babysitting. Um, I moved into junior achievement where we sold products um, around the neighborhood again and started a company. And I also started a company um, with my brother as a subcontractor where I would take care of people's homes when they were away, take care of their pets, their plants. And even I subcontracted the lawn mowing out to my brother. So I was pretty (laughs) entrepreneurial young and I loved money and anything I could do um, that seemed like a good idea where I could earn it myself and I didn't have to rely on someone to give it to me. I was all for that. Wow. Wow. That's really great. So just a quick little uh, Nova Scotia story. This past summer, I was up in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually helped uh, a friend uh, bring a sailboat back from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia down to uh, Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, so we started in Halifax. Uh, we went to Lunenburg. And then from Lunenburg, we went to Shelburne. And then from there, we zipped down to uh, uh, Annapolis. But that was my first time in Nova Scotia. What a beautiful place. Gosh, oh, I, yeah. it was just gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so nice being by the ocean and the scenery is beautiful. And if you had good weather, even better. Yeah, we, we, did, have, we did have good weather uh, for most of the time. We had a 
couple of really beautiful days in Halifax and Lunenburg and Shelbourne. And um, as fate would have it, we had most of the bad weather when we were on the sailboat out in the middle of the ocean. But, oh, you know, no. <laughs> so be it. It wasn't that bad. But yeah, what a beautiful place. So it must have been really nice to grow up there. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. And my family was very close. We all lived really near each other. And then we moved when I was in grade 11. We moved to Ontario outside of um, Toronto. Um, so that was a shift. I mean, certainly moved to a place that was bigger. Um, we met lots of different people in, in Nova Scotia at that time. When I was a kid, we only had kind of two different cultures, really. Uh, so coming to Ontario um, was great, opened up my horizons, met a lot of different people. And it really changed the trajectory of where I went because a lot of times when you're living in Nova Scotia, and especially when I was a kid, you would plan to go to university where you could take the bus, you would still live at home, and I would have gone to school in Halifax where you visited. Um, but by moving to Ontario, my dad took some courses at Queen's University in Kingston, uh, which is on Lake Ontario. And once I visited that school, I wanted to go there. And so I would never have gone there and studied business if we hadn't moved from Nova Scotia. I loved it because it was on the water, just like the Maritimes, and so really changed where I went. And so now I'm thinking about a career in business. And so what could I do with that? So I uh, went on from there to do my MBA, um, achieved uh, my chartered financial analyst designation and started um, working at, a, at the bank, at TD Bank, at, in the, the commercial lending and then the risk management area. So kind of dropped the entrepreneurship for a bit and then then spent about 16 years in corporate. Yeah. So uh, when you finished university, uh, <clears throat> was that sort of a conscious decision to go work for a larger firm? Did you think about starting your own business or, or, or were you sort of, I wanted to go work in a bigger business? I wanted to work in a big business um, because I wanted to see the way things should be done because I knew that I had this general knowledge, but I didn't have tons of experience. Um, I'd been a waitress all through university. I had had um, summer and part-time jobs in the banking industry, so all that helped me. Um, but I wanted to see really from a strategy standpoint how things really got done, and I was fortunate because I got hired right into commercial banking, so I was working with entrepreneurs. Um, so it's great when you start, they pair you up with the smaller organization. So you're kind of learning while the customer's learning and from there moved on to really big deals. Um, and I always thought though, oh, I'll probably just work here for one or two years and then I'm going to go start a business. And then one year turned to two to five to 16. And so, um, at that point, my role was eliminated. They were doing a massive restructuring around the world and I received a really fair compensation, uh, severance. So I actually took the time instead of just quickly going back into the job market to think, I've got a, quite a few years to work. What is it that I could do um, that kind of combines all the things that I like to do? So I've always been passionate about helping youth learn about money. I've loved being an entrepreneur. I loved working and supporting entrepreneurs. Um, I've got all this financial knowledge. So let's see what I can put together. And that's how Visit Financial started. Yeah, uh, excellent. You know, as as you were telling that story, it got me to thinking about, you know, there's two big events that happened in your life that that you were sort of not in control of. Uh, number one, you know, moving away from Nova Scotia. And then the mm -hmm. second one of the downsizing at TD Bank. And in both of those, they drastically changed your life. Uh, and, and you were able to take that and turn it into a positive uh, thing for yourself. Uh, so yeah, so I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that, right? So it's this it's this sort of uh, uh, real change, and 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 you embraced it, and you you moved forward with it, right? A lot of other people uh, sometimes uh, do not uh, behave that way, 
And I think that's one of the characteristics of entrepreneurs, right? They, they take the hand that's dealt to them and they figure out, okay, what can I do to, to, to make, to keep moving the ball forward, to keep moving the ball down the field uh, so that this turns out to be something positive and good. Absolutely. And um, I generally do have a positive outlook. I mean, certainly in the throes of it, maybe it wasn't always positive, but um, certainly when I started my business, I really thought, what am I good at? What can I do? What can I bring to the market that's of value? Um, Because that's how you get paid and you need to pivot at times. And so am I doing exactly how I started out? Probably not. But I knew at the bank I was good at creating courses and conveying um, financial concepts to people to help them learn. And so I knew that I could do that. So one of the first things I did was actually get a teaching job. So I teach part-time at Centennial College in a financial services program. So I get to spend all this time with one of my audiences, which is young adults, and I, I help make money make sense for them. Um, then I got on a consulting roster for the Business Development Bank of Canada. And so I deliver financial education programs directly to their entrepreneurs as one of my um, referral sources. And so all the pieces started coming together slowly. And because I had a, a good severance, I could take my time and build it a little bit more purposely um, versus maybe somebody who would have had a, um, a nagging financial need that they needed to solve faster. I also am very privileged to be able to go back to TD Bank and do consulting work, which helps feed my podcast and some of the other passion projects that that I want to get out into the world because everything takes money. Yeah, yeah, boy, it sure does. So uh, describe that sort of first uh, six months of, okay, I decide to launch this business. What was that experience like? (laughs) It's a... very humbling, I must say. Um, so I came from an environment where I was an expert at two things, two or three things. And I was an authority when I left the bank, I was an executive. Now, all of a sudden I have to wear 20 hats and I only know things about one of them. So how do I make a website? How do I even get an email address with my company in it? Now I've got to incorporate my company, all these different things coming at me that I know are doable. Um, but I just don't know how. And so the best thing I did was surround myself with people who did know how. So it was very important for me to find a a community and different support networks um, with different people who knew things that I did not. Because all my friends are still back in corporate and they're like, oh, have fun with that, making a business thing. Um, And I needed to find people who could support me. And I learned very quickly what should I do and what should I just defer and delegate to others because I didn't have the time and certainly didn't have the bandwidth to learn every single thing. Yeah, yeah. So is there a, a pretty strong entrepreneurial community up there in, in, in Toronto? Absolutely. Um, so there's um, general entrepreneur groups. I've um, just over the last six months been um, a part of Business Networking International, so a BNI group where it's a, a referral uh, system you're passing between members. There are tons of different women's groups um, to support women entrepreneurs. The government is highly involved in putting out programs um, to support women and entrepreneurs in general. And so I think it's a pretty entrepreneurial country. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And at was there a point in time where where you start getting confident to say, hey, you know, this thing's really going to work? Yeah, I would say it took a little bit of time for things to take traction because I was starting up these things at different um, time periods. So when they all started coming together, it was really great. And then I started being too busy. So at that point, then I realized I need to be very clear on what it is that I'm going to do and where I'm going to spend my time. And while I can do a lot of things, I need to really focus on 
where is the best value? Who can I help the most? What will I enjoy the most? And it's not that it's necessarily the most um, financially compensating, um, but it's where am I going to have the most enjoyment since I'm choosing to spend my time on this. And so I ha- sometimes now I say no to people if they're wanting me to do things um, that are just outside the range of what I normally do. Yeah, you know, that's really insightful. Lots of times when, when entrepreneurs are starting businesses, uh, they say yes to everything. And, and uh, sometimes that's important because, you know, you, you got to pay bills. Uh, mm-hmm. But as things grow... Uh, zooming in and focusing in on what you are really good at and what you really want to do uh, that brings you satisfaction is important. And, and it's good to have that ability to do that, uh, to, to say, my business is going to be just so big. I don't want to grow it really big. I don't want to have 15, 20 people working in this organization. I want it to be small. Uh, so then you can start being selective about what you do. And it, it does give you that ability. And I think one of the lessons learned by entrepreneurs is is the that skill to do that, the skill to say no. You know, that's something I do not do, or that's something I no longer do. Um, mm-hmm. Was was that an adjustment for you as well? Uh, absolutely, I like to make people happy. I like to solve their problems, and when I have the skills to do it, I feel almost compelled. Um, so the way that I got around that was to find people in my network who would do the things that I didn't want to do. So I could say, you know, it's not for me right now. This isn't exactly where in the space I'm playing, but I have somebody great that I can refer you to so that I know that the person would be still well taken care of and I wouldn't feel bad about that. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. That That, that is really good. I don't think I've heard anyone say that before, but uh, it's sort of, I don't do that anymore, but here is a person that can help you. So you're, you're still assisting that person and you're giving them to someone that you have confidence in. Uh, so you know they're going to end up uh, happy as well. So that's, that's a great, great suggestion. Yeah, I get asked a lot to do financial plans and um, I'm not a financial planner. Um, I do have the skill set to do it, but that's not where I play. Um, so I'm purely focused around education and helping for business planning. Um, so I've got a great roster of planners that I know well that I refer to and I know that the clients will be well taken care of. Yes. So how long have, have uh, your business been around now? Uh, since 2016. Okay. And so what are your big challenges now? Um, so one of my big ones is um, trying to minimize how much of a bottleneck I am in terms of growing. So I've been trying to expand my team. I've recently onboarded two people um, so that I can help um, relieve some of the, the administrative things that I'm doing. I was already working with a virtual assistant to do a lot of support on um, lists and websites and stuff like that. Um, but to just get some more support so that it can free me up to do some more, um, content and to deliver more programming in my business. Oh, very nice. So how big is the organization now? Um, so three part-time people. Got it. Got it. Plus me. Yep. Yep. Uh, very nice. And do you focus on a specific geographic area? No, uh, I find with the financial education, I deliver even in the city, most of my mandates remotely. So um, using Skype or Zoom or something like that. Um, It may sound counterintuitive, but um, most of the time, the engagements are fairly emotional. There are tears pretty much 90% of the time, men or women, and either because they feel shame or embarrassment about the situation that they're in, or they're so pleased when they have a breakthrough and they got it. Um, so we usually do it without camera because we're looking at numbers. We're talking about concepts. I've got a workbook that we work through. 
Um, so it works very well because people get to be in their private space, safe space where we can have these vulnerable conversations because it is about the numbers, but a lot of it comes down to um, even coaching around talking with suppliers or other people that they need in their business. So a lot of times, you, you, and I'm sure you've heard this, um, a customer has delivered a service to someone else or a company and um, that company doesn't pay them. So when the company gets on the phone, hey, please do me a favor. I can't make my payroll this week. I need you to pay your bill. And that's not really the conversation. The problem is that that person hasn't lived up to their agreement with you. You need to just find out when are they going to pay you and all your management insecurities about not being able to make payroll. That's none of their concern. And so we talk about a lot of things like that and how maybe to phrase things mm. um, because entrepreneurs are insecure. And so we want to make sure we're, we're showing the right things at the right time, being vulnerable with the right people um, and not inserting our issues into situations that aren't actually about that. Right, right. Yeah, as, as a matter of fact, it's interesting you say that because if, uh, if, if a company that I do business with called me up and says, hey, you know, pay your bill because if you don't, I'm not going to be able to make payroll I'm going to start wondering about whether I want to keep doing business with them because they sound like they're on the brink of going out of business. I know. <laughs> right? So so being careful how you what you communicate and how you communicate it. And oftentimes we communicate things sort of inadvertently uh, mm-hmm. that that reflect on our business uh, and, and sometimes in a maybe not nice way. So that's really good advice. Excellent. Yeah, so they're very um, the personal, the one-on-one engagements. And so the more somebody wants to share with me, the more I can help them. Um, I have the ability to alter the teaching depending on their education level, the, the terms they're familiar with, and I can explain things a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, yeah. So do you have sort of a, a uh, curriculum that you follow, or is this pretty much customized for every client? No, generally the mandates uh, follow kind of an initial get to know you. There's a, a little bit of a questionnaire around the practices um, from a financial standpoint in the business. Uh, from there, I do an assessment of the business's financial performance and um, compare kind of year over year, how were they doing and then to external benchmarks. So we can see from somebody's objective lens, how do they look, um, which helps them get into the, the frame of mind of a, a lender if somebody's looking at giving them money. And from there, we build out the cash flow forecast. We're going to build out a, a financial dashboard. So just like in your car where you've got the tire pressure, the oil, the gas, we're going to put some financial metrics that are important for your business there. And then we're going to do deep dive on um, break even and then costing and pricing. Um, generally, in my experience, um, the clients that I've worked with across products and services, they're not charging enough. And so that trickles down to they're not very profitable and they are not getting paid personally. Yeah, so that's a big challenge. Do you help them with pricing? Do you give them some tools on, on how to do that? Yeah, certainly suggestions. So, I mean, you first need to know how much it's going to cost you to deliver something is the starting point. And then you need to do some research out in the market to see what will the market bear. And you need to have confidence in your abilities if you're going to be charging more than what is standard. And there may be a very good reason why you should be charging more. If you deliver something of greater value, then you need to be able to stand behind it. So again, it becomes emotional and it's around that confidence piece. Yes. You know, I I come across lots of entrepreneurs who uh, decide to compete on price. So they figure, well, my overhead's low. It's just me and one other person. So, you know, I can charge less than the the guy next door. And uh, oftentimes that's a mistake, right? Uh, Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. uh, 
you want to you want to sort of have a, a strategy about this and this notion of thinking about what the market is, what the what the value proposition is, and and price it for the value you bring, not what it costs you to deliver the service. Absolutely. And um, the other thing I would say, if if nobody's buying, then it can be a signal about something else. Maybe it isn't that valuable, and you might need to make a small pivot to make it valuable to the market. And it's not that your idea was poor. It just needs a little bit of a change. And as entrepreneurs, we have to be willing to do that um, because the market does evolve. And what people need today may not be what they need tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I have, I have interviewed uh, a fair number of folks uh, who have businesses um, that help other businesses, particularly other small businesses. And um, so one of the questions I have is, is, how do you make sure you get paid? I typically get paid up front so <laughs> okay. uh, that I don't deliver my service first or on a payment plan where um, it goes in milestones according to our engagement. And so um, unless there's a very specific reason and I buy into it, um, we're going to stop service if there's no payment. Yeah, excellent. So I just think, you know, here again, this is about your business and growing your business and that's important. So you got to make sure uh, that, that you continue to grow and you can survive. Otherwise you can't provide value to anyone. And, uh, lots of times when you're working with these young businesses, uh, they are strapped for cash. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a challenge for them to pay their bills or to meet payroll, et cetera. Uh, so having a, uh, a methodology for that, uh, is, is really sound. That's, that's good. That's good advice. Yeah, the other thing I, I always tell people is because women especially, I find that that I hear this comment, well, I just want to make a little bit of money. I don't need to make too much money. And so I always encourage people to make as much money as they can and not because I think people need to be um, hoarding masses of wealth. But when you make money, there's a whole bunch of flexibility and freedom that comes with it. You can now choose to do some of your services pro bono because you've made money on other clients. You can choose to donate to your community in terms of time or resources. Um, And so there's so many people that you can actually help and you can have a greater impact. So I always encourage everyone to make as much as you can. We're we're not out to be gouging people and to be charging too much, but the goal should be to be profitable so that you can then choose what you do with um, your time and your wealth. Right. All right. That's good advice. That's good advice as well. So uh, what's, what, what do you see in the future uh, for um, Beset Financial Services? Um, so coming shortly will be a YouTube channel dedicated to entrepreneurs uh, where I can house videos and in the longer term interviews with other entrepreneurs so they can share their lessons um, so that if perhaps people are at a stage and, and they're not maybe ready to work with me, maybe it's not the right time, um, they can still get access to really great information to help them in their businesses. Um, my company, Financial Fitness, is all around empowering people to take one step forward in a positive direction each day. And so if you can learn something today that moves your business forward, I want to help make that information available. And so I'm really excited about that. Oh, that sounds real exciting. Uh uh, that sounds uh, like a big challenge, too, when you start uh, making videos about stuff. Talk about, you know, at least for me, not knowing how to how to do it. <laughs> that, that, that would be a big challenge. 
Yeah. As uh, we were talking before we started recording, but I'm a fellow podcaster as well. And my podcast is generally geared towards young adults. Um, I do interview entrepreneurs there too. So that was a huge challenge for me, but I found the right people to help me and I, I've got that down. So I'm going to keep doing that. And now I, um, maybe, uh, foolishly, I believe that I can make the videos come together and I will find the people who can help me make them look good. Um, but I've got the, got the science down in terms of the research for, for the way the scripts have got to go with the SEO and all that kind of stuff. And I certainly know firsthand from working with so many entrepreneurs over the years, what it is that they have questions about. So I've got no shortage of uh, ideas for my videos. Super, super. So what's your podcast about? Uh, It is uh, Young Money with Tracy Bissett, the advice show for young millionaires in the making. And it's really to take the mystery out of money for the 18 to 30-ish age group. And I say people who love them because I have many parents and grandparents who listen and anybody can learn uh, at any age. So I'm, I'm happy for anybody to listen. Uh, I generally do a series of solo shows where I share trainings, I have experts on, and then my guests uh, and my listeners tell me they really want to hear from themselves. So I interview a lot of young people as well who share silly things, great things that they've accomplished from a financial standpoint. And it's really to showcase different paths to success. There's going to be no one way for you to be financially successful in life. And so let's just show all the different options um, so that you can pick and choose the things that would be relevant to you. Uh, I'm also a huge music fan, so anytime I can tie an episode into a current artist, I do. Uh, So with the Super Bowl, I just had a feature on Jennifer Lopez and Shakira about what we can learn about financial fitness from those ladies. Oh, very nice. That sounds sounds interesting. Uh, So we've been going at this now uh, 35 plus minutes, and I want to respect your time. Um, is there anything that, uh, I should have asked you that I haven't, or is there another topic that, uh, we should talk about? Uh, in terms of advice for entrepreneurs, I would say that it's really important. You've got to know your numbers and not to delegate accountability. So you don't need to make the numbers. You don't need to be responsible for the bookkeeping, but you are accountable for the results and using those numbers to make decisions in your business. So if I can implore the entrepreneurs listening, please um, decide to take that step and take control of that part of your business. And I can guarantee it's going to bring your stress and anxiety down. You can start focusing on what is really the issue, not the theoretical issue that you've made up in your head. You're going to sleep better. You're probably going to make more money. Um, because when you're actually solving problems, you can make change. But when you've just got your head in the sand or you're ignoring it, it's, it's hard to actually make a change. Oh, excellent. Excellent wrap up, uh, for this podcast. So, uh, give us the name of your business one more time. Uh, Bissett Financial Fitness. And I do have a gift for the listeners who are, um, been tuning in all this time. Um, I've got a money meeting agenda that you can download. So if you want to take that first step and get started and you should be meeting with yourself at least weekly, um, to look at your financial results and just figure out even how to get started. So if you go to cashcoach.biz, you can download that money meeting agenda and get started right away. So cashcoach.biz. And um, if anybody wants to reach out, feel free to um, send me a message on LinkedIn. That's the best way to get me. And I'd be happy to hear from anybody who wants to reach out. Well, that's perfect. And the name of the podcast one more time. Young Money with Tracy Bissett. And it's everywhere podcasts are available. Yeah, excellent. And I will uh, make sure I put all of these things in the show notes so people will be able to find them there. And uh, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You're a great guest. Thank you so much. It was such a privilege. You betcha. Bye-bye.
Bela, lots of interesting nuggets of information in that interview. Uh, what are the things that you took away that uh, we think the listeners should really be focusing on? So, you know, I think understanding the financial aspects of your business are really important. You know, and, and oftentimes uh, that's not your strength as an entrepreneur, as, as Tracy pointed out. You, you might be a tech person, you might be a marketing or salesperson, who knows. <clears throat> but finance is not sort of your strength. You need to understand the financial health of your business. And I'm not just talking about, you know, doing the accounting. This is sort of understanding what all those numbers mean, both looking backwards to see where you've been and also being able to look forward to see the direction you're headed in. And I, I think that's critical uh, for the soundness of your business. It's also critical if you're ever going to think about raising any capital uh, from investors or if you're thinking about getting a loan from a bank, because they're going to want to see those numbers. And more importantly, they're going to want to hear how you articulate and understand those numbers. So I think this is where the service that she provides is really, really important for entrepreneurs. Agreed. And it's, she said it. It's not like you need to be able to do all of your own accounting, but you need to, as you said, Bela, understand the strategic aspect of the financial aspects of your business. You need to know how to choose and interact with your accountant. And sometimes even when your accountant's not doing the right job for you, know when it's time to switch and get a different accountant. Uh, so I really think that this is, a, like you said, a great service for those three really important reasons. And yeah, I just echo with you, the understanding the strategic nature of your business and being able to see, here's my strategy on one hand, and then on the other hand, here are the financial numbers and seeing how those align or misalign is really critical to communicating with a lot of stakeholders. Um, especially we've had a couple of restaurateurs uh, on and, you know, you might be a, an amazing chef. You might be uh, have the best idea of how to serve customers, a great customer service model. Uh, you may be a great brewer. You may be a great baker, whatever it is. Um, but you have to know pricing. You have to know costing. You have to know labor costs. You have to know tax so that you can calculate that menu and you can calculate the wage rate that you need to pay. Um, so that you're building a sustainable business. And I don't mean environmentally sustainable in this case, I mean financially sustainable business. So this idea of financial sustainability, um, every industry that you're in has key metrics to understand, has key ways of uh, reporting income, has key ways of uh, calculating taxes and to know the ins and outs of all the rules uh, is really important. Depreciation, right, Bela? I mean, you and I have both worked with depreciation before and knowing the depreciation rules, which vary industry by industry, can be really important um, for the financial health of your business. So yeah, it's cash. cash is really important. Cash flow is critical. We've talked many times about that. But the finer points of financial statements and of understanding your assets and your liabilities um, is, is equally as important in the long run to maintain that sustainability. Yeah, I was just going to say, particularly as, as you think about building a business that you know has a limited number of employees, uh, people have to wear different hats. And certainly when you start, you're in this situation. And it can be overwhelming as an entrepreneur or a founder when you're starting, right? There's so many things you have to do. So figure out what you know how to do. Figure out what you know really well. Get help for the other, the other elements of your business. And, and you can get that help in many different ways. And, and education, which is basically what Tracy's providing here, education and consulting, is sort of one way of sort of doing that. 
Yeah, it's this idea of having a fractional CFO, right? Of this, a small business can't necessarily afford a full-time CFO, but you can bring somebody on for a few hours a week, um, even when you're not making revenue. This is a really interesting kind of critical idea. Uh, and I, and I, again, the service that Tracy is providing is really important, and it's something that I think all entrepreneurs should should look towards. Um, especially the the time when you really need somebody is when things aren't going well. And the times when you're buckling down and trying to save every penny, it's not the time to skimp on financial help, right? This is a time where you need somebody to give you that. Remember, she talked about the tears that happen when you're about to lose your business. We've both been involved with people like that and businesses like that, and it sucks. Um, so getting good professional help as early as possible is, is really critical. So, yeah, I think, you know, this was a, a great interview to really point out it. Hey, this doesn't have to be all that painful. It doesn't have to be all that expensive. As she mentioned, plan on paying up front, right? Um, but again, when you're, if you're doing a good job budgeting and making sure you have enough resources to run a business, include some funds before you raise capital or before you start to make sure you can pay for some support like this. And that's not just means you drop off your receipts at a bookkeeper. I mean, that's important too, but this is, we're talking about a different thing here. Absolutely. Right. This is very different than, than accounting, right? This is, yep. this is sort of understanding what those numbers mean. Yeah. Any other points we want to talk about on this one, Mike? I, you know, I just want to reflect on something that I think you and I, uh, you know, what she's saying resonates with both you and I, because we've both been in the education business for a long time, but I loved her focus on educating young people on financial literacy. It's something that you and I have kind of dabbled in, but she's really attacked it with a passion. And it's something that I think young people need in the United States um, because they just don't get enough financial literacy. They're bombarded with so many messages on media about borrowing money and buying things on credit and credit cards and um, worries about saving for your retirement and things like that. And especially if you're a young, so all young people need this. And especially if you're a young person, it, it's at all interested in, uh, in, in being an entrepreneur, um, echoing that, yeah, it's way easier to learn this stuff when you're 15, 17, 19, 20, than it is when you're 50 uh, or 60. So, you know, listeners, you can check out her, uh, her, the, the uh, podcast she does for young people, and we'll put that in the show notes, but uh, that might be a nice free gift that you can give somebody in that age group is give them access to that information so they can gain some financial literacy on their own terms um, and, and in their own way. Um, that's just something that will last a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, Mike. You know, as you were saying that I was thinking about this notion of how with ease of being able to get credit, uh, with all these offers that you keep getting for this, that, and the other thing, we have made it very easy in this country to get into financial trouble, right? We, we have, we have made it really easy for you to take out loans over your head. I mean, look what happened with the mortgage crisis a number of years ago, right? It was basically, we, we were, we were doing mortgages over the value of the residents and then people got into trouble. They couldn't make the payments and the whole thing collapsed. So we've, because of this ease of being able to get in trouble, understanding the aspects of finance, I think, uh, has risen to even a higher level of importance. And just as personally, it's easy to get in trouble. The same thing is true in a business. You can get your business overextended really, really easily. Uh, so, so make sure you have a good literacy when it comes to uh, sort of financial matters. And I think uh, she does a great job at that. And uh, her podcast will be a good thing to listen to. Uh, and uh, 
I think is just an important element for everyone to know and uh, in an even uh, beyond the entrepreneurial community, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, just some cultural differences as in the side, Bela. Here in Germany, um, credit card use is much less common. Um, young people don't have credit cards uh, to the rate that they do in the U.S. Um, things like mortgages, most people rent here. The majority of people rent and more pushing people to buy houses is not kind of part of the cultural norm or government policy or anything like that. Um, you don't see the car companies pushing kind of long finance, uh, giving college students specials and, and, you know, long-term finance deals and things like that. There's just a very different approach to credit and, and debt here. Um, and so you don't see nearly the amount of personal bankruptcies and things like that. That has a flip side, right? Is it's harder to get capital and people are more, much more risk averse. So it's harder when you're raising money, um, to, to do a startup, uh, cause you can't, get a bunch of credit cards and bootstrap and max them out. Like I know people who've done this, right? I've done this, right? Um, that just doesn't exist uh, here uh, to nearly the same extent. Um, so no matter where you're from, this idea of financial literacy is important. But I think especially in the U.S., that's in all my traveling, that's been the country that's had kind of the easiest credit and has pushed young people harder uh, into into some of these things that maybe aren't the best decisions for them. So yeah. I don't know if that's interesting or not to the listeners, but I thought I'd throw that in there, Bela. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So uh, what do you think? Wrap this one up? Let's wrap it up. I think it's a take. Uh, So valued listeners, we are thrilled that you joined us in our adventure for this week. And we hope that you found this podcast interesting and thought-provoking. At this point, we want to once again quickly thank Phillips Lytle LLP for sponsoring our podcast. If you need good, solid advice starting, funding, or selling a business, whether you are a single-person startup or working on a nine-figure exit, Bela and I can confidently recommend the attorneys at Phillips Lytle. Hey, Bela, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with them? So for more information, I suggest you reach out to Rich Honan, who is a Phillips Lytle partner. You can reach him via the telephone at 518-618-1225, or online, you can reach him at rhonan at phillipslytle.com. You can always find his contact information in our show notes. Well, thanks for joining us this week. If you have questions about what we discussed today, suggestions about future topics, or some potential guests that you think could be great on the show, get in touch with us. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. Hey, and if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do. Uh, We have a lot of great guests in the pipeline. So until next week, signing off from upstate New York. Have a great week, Mike. And that's it from over here in Munster, Germany. Bela, have a great week, and listeners, we'll see you soon. <laughs>